just so you know, we are in our last week of our No Cap series. So as you find your seat, we are in our last week of our No Cap series, Predecide Better Decisions, A Better Life. And uh, when, when we're looking at the, just this whole series, has been, it's been so good for me personally. So including the intro, this is officially the ninth week of the series. And if you weren't here last week, I want to say again that Abby did an incredible job of setting up our two-week transitional series. Yes, no cap, overflow. Let's give it up for that young lady again. And then also for Israel, too, for stepping in twice in the series and doing an incredible job with that as well. I want to tell you guys, I don't know if you know this or not. I don't know if you know how rare that it is. But with young people like that, our future is bright, Reveal. Our future is bright, and I believe, I still believe that our best is yet to come. Amen? Amen. Okay, and back to last week. Abby set up the assignment. She explained that as we predecide and continue in the power of predecision by committing to these six statements, this will be the last time that you see them. I am ready. I am consistent. I am devoted. I am generous. I am faithful. I am a finisher. 2023 will start off on an upward trajectory. I always like to think ahead. I don't like to wait till the, till the clock strikes 12. How can we think ahead? That we won't need to hit the restart button, but rather be able to hit the refresh button instead and just fan the flame that's already burning, right? That's the goal. So, so she kicked off the current two-week transitional series by saying that as we continue um, to, as we continue to be more ready, to be more consistent, to be more devoted, to be more generous, more faithful, and more of a finisher, there will absolutely be an overflow that will pour into the fact that we're saved to serve. We were saved to step out of the stands and step into the field of service. Despite our excuses or lack of confidence or our current insecurities, it's at the heart of the Vineyard Movement, like John Wimber said, Everyone gets to play. Everyone. Our seventh I am statement last week was this. I am a contributor. I am a contributor. I said Abby's job was to set up the assignment, and my job is to close it out this week with the action. Please pray with me. Father, we ask today that by the power of your Spirit, and the truth of your word, that you would stir within us and empower us to be faithful to you in all that we do. Enlighten us today to a greater clarity on the importance of furthering your kingdom here on earth. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Um, Abby, if you would do me a quick favor, in my bag, uh, in my bag, my iPad is in there. If you would grab that for me, I would appreciate it, please. So as she does that, um, before we get to the action, though, I wanted to zoom out, okay? And I want to start with a macro view and create a kingdom narrative, okay? A kingdom narrative, kind of create the boundaries for today's sermon. In there, there's a piece of paper, I think. Open it up. There it is. That's what I was looking for. I forgot. I remembered everything. I remember my apple, my glass, everything else, but I forgot this important piece of paper. Um, so I, I believe that as we zoom out, 
And we're gonna, today we're going to start with a macro view and create a kingdom narrative for today's sermon. I believe this kingdom narrative will help realign the why behind our what. I, I say it often. It's our why that sustains us. It's our why that keeps us doing the right things, even when the right things aren't the most popular things. Best-selling author Rick Warren says this in his book, What on Earth Am I Here For? To make the best use of your life, you must never forget these two truths. First, compared with eternity, life is extremely brief. And second, earth is only a temporary residence. You won't be here long, so don't get too attached. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are Christ's ambassadors. And ambassadors by definition is this. An ambassador for Christ is one who is sent out to work as a citizen of God's kingdom, representing truth and light in a world of deceit and darkness. Our job as ambassadors is to be the light. But there are those who actually make the profession of faith but the power to live for God does not appear to be there. Warren goes on to say this. Sadly, many Christians have betrayed their king and his kingdom. They have foolishly concluded that because they live here on earth, it's their home. It's not. The Bible is clear in 1 Peter 2, 11. It says this. Friends, this world is not your home. So don't make yourselves cozy in it. This is heavy. Don't indulge your ego at the expense of your soul. God warns us not to get too attached to what's around us because it's temporary. We're told in 1 Corinthians 7.31 this. Those in frequent contact with the things of the world should make good use of them. We make good use of the things here in the world without becoming attached to them. For this world and all that it contains will pass away. He says, realizing that life on earth is just a temporary assignment should radically alter our values. Eternal values, not temporal values, should become the deciding factors for your decisions and for my decisions. I love the way C.S. Lewis puts it. He says this, all that is not eternal is eternally useless. I'll say it again. All that is not eternal is eternally useless. Perspective. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.18, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. It's eternal. It is a fatal mistake. Hear me on this. It is a fatal mistake to assume that God's goal for your life, God's goal for my life, is material prosperity or popular success. At least as the world defines it. A kingdom narrative. And I've often used this, and I'm going to do it real quick. Um, it was something Francis Chan told, had uh, done something on, and then Abby 
told me about it. But this rope, I used it at funerals um, that I've done. This rope represents eternity. It represents eternity. There's a lot of eternity here. The red tip represents our life on earth. Perspective. Perspective. This will be our kingdom narrative for today. I know it's quiet in here, but it's heavy. It's not negative. I believe it's necessary. As we close out this series, we're going to go deep. No cap. Overflow. Okay? By God's grace and, and through this, the Spirit's clarity, I'm going to attempt like an eight-piece puzzle to pull all of the last eight weeks together today by using some imagery and an unorthodox approach to understanding the importance of kingdom culture, creating the pivot moving into the end of the year. Amen? Amen. Before we start painting unorthodox imagery, though, let's look at the orthodox explanation of the kingdom. And I will, uh, this will appeal to all of my intellects. Any intellects in the house today? Any? There's two or three. Okay, okay, this will appeal to you guys. So it's two-minute explanation. Everybody else just uh, tune out for a moment. But Jesus inaugurated or introduced the kingdom at his first coming. And will one day fully consummate the kingdom when he comes back upon his return. In the meantime, there is an ebb and a flow to the kingdom. Okay, with many healings, miracles, breakthroughs, or just the act of speaking to someone, Jesus often uses phrases like this. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom has come. The kingdom is near. The kingdom is not a fixed place or location. The kingdom is where the rule and the reign of God is manifest. Okay, this is why there's an unexplainable, intangible experience that takes place in this building week in and week out. It looks like this sometimes. When we walk in heavy and tense and on edge, and we walk out sweetly broken, and at complete peace, it's not the building. It's the rule and reign of God that's manifesting in this space. No cap. The kingdom is near. It's special. It's transforming. So when Jesus healed, the rule and the reign of God was present to overcome sickness. Thus, the kingdom was near. Think of it as this. The king's dome. Okay, the king's dome. Where the king goes, the space that he rules goes, or the king's dome goes, or the kingdom of the king goes with him. Whether the rule and the reign of God is present, I'm sorry, wherever the rule and reign of God is present, that is where the kingdom of God is, okay? Early church fathers referred to Jesus as auto basilia, auto meaning self, and basilia meaning royal place or kingdom. So put those two together, Himself, the kingdom. He, was the, he is the kingdom. Simply put, where Jesus is, his presence is, his kingdom is. And Jesus brought and demonstrated the rule and the reign of God everywhere that he went. Everywhere that Jesus went, he embodied our six I am statements wherever he went. He embodied them. They were in him. So the kingdom, the king's dome, went with him as well. 
Today we remain in the tension between Jesus establishing the kingdom in part and waiting for him to actually return to fully consummate the kingdom. We get glimpses. Ultimately, the cross is about far more than forgiveness of sin. That's really just a small part of it. It was the king claiming victory over the anti-kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. It's known as Christus Victor, Christus Victor, to Christ be the victory. Okay, am I making any sense? It sounds good. Some of you guys are like, okay. Well, the intellects are like, oh, yeah, crystal clear. Well, for the rest of us, let's get, it, let's get to painting. Let's get to painting. Let's get to planting. In fact, speaking of planting, our eighth and final I am statement, by no surprise, is this. I am planted. And I have a $25 gift card. I don't have it on me now, so I'm gonna have to, you're going to have to take an IOU. Um, but I have a $25 gift, gift card to Anyone who knows this question, the answer to this question, without looking on your phone, so no cheating, does anyone in here this morning know the answer to this question? You can stand, if you do, you can stand up and you can say it from where you're at. You don't have to come up here. Do you know the answer to this question? 10 seconds of the clock, please. What is dendrology? Nine. Eight, seven, six, five, anybody? Four, three, yeah, oh, she beat you to it. The study of trees, yes, the study of trees. We'll give it to her. Grace, grace is the place of grace. Oh, you were, but you were too slow. Okay, it's important. So it's, this is important to understand. Dendrology is the study of trees because it's the title of my sermon today. To finish out the series, here it is. Dendrology, images of the kingdom. Dendrology, images of the kingdom. Today, I want to attempt to use not necessarily the scientific study, but the imagery of different trees to communicate as a visual illustration of how the kingdom is in us how we keep the kingdom in us, and how we use the kingdom in us to benefit and for the benefit, not just of us, but first for one another. And how the kingdom looks when it's fully and collaboratively functioning the way it's supposed to, yielding maximum fruit and having maximum effectiveness. First, what does the Bible say about dendrology? What does the Bible say about trees? Well, the word tree appears in some translations 293 times. The word fruit appears 212 times. And the word branch appears 107 times. The word root appears 57 times. So in total, the tree and all the parts which make up the tree, including the fruit, appears a total of 669 times in some translations. I'd say there's something to be learned in the ecosystem of dendrology, okay? And it's direct connection to a deeper understanding of the imagery of the kingdom. I believe a picture is worth a thousand words, and I'm hoping that the pictures that we see today will, will be able to create words in you that I couldn't even communicate. What it is, what's the kingdom, and what is it, what is it supposed to look like? Jeremiah 17, 7 to 8 says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. 
They will be like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots to the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. Its leaves are always green. I wish we could see each other as we came in. Like I, I, sometimes I think our faces, our eyes, your eyes are a pathway to your soul, but we can see the color of our leaves if they're green through just the countenance in our face. It has no worries in a year of drought. So when, tough, when things are going, going on that are, that are tough, and it never fails to bear fruit. In season and out, no matter what life circumstances bring, never fails to bear fruit. Psalm 1, 1 to 3 says this. Blessed is the one, and this first part of it, in, in blue there, this first part is, blessed is the one who does steps one through six, not even steps, but who does our six I am statements, and has those working on the inside, because that person is blessed, who does not walk in the step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. Not just on Sundays, but day and night. That person is like a tree that's planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Here it is. This is, this is all, this is every single one of us in here. Connect with this last part. Whatever they do prospers. We all want to prosper. In every area of our life, we all want to prosper. I am planted. I want to share a quick personal story for you guys this morning of the power of predeciding to plant. And I had to dig it out. Abby had to dig it out for me again. But I read this exact paper, this exact paper. I was scrambling, trying to find it. I read this exact paper three and a half years ago. Here, right here, right here on the, on the Marty, Marty likes to do it on the, on the floor, but um, as far as, uh, we did a testimonial, and it was Testimonial Sunday, and we had just finished the What on Earth Am I Here For study, and here's what I wrote, and remember, he told me, you have two to three minutes, three minutes max, make it two minutes, so I'm going to read it just as quickly as I read it that day. I said, I have to start out by thanking my beautiful wife, Kiona, it's always wise to thank your wife first, call her beautiful, for helping me to realize that once again, she was absolutely right that this church is where our family needed to be. Less than two months ago, after, after many conversations with my wife and some God-allowed circumstances, we realized God was leading us to leave our church and return back after almost six years to our home church, Reveal. I wasn't certain what it would look like, but after talking to Marty, I was confident beyond a shadow of a doubt that this, in fact, was one of the clearest directional pivots that God had ever shown our family. I committed to God, and I jumped back into the deep water it revealed with both feet, no excuses. Doubtful thoughts began to make a habit of reminding me that after only being back a couple of weeks, I was headed into deep water by jumping and leading what we called the procrastinators group that hadn't been formed yet. I jump back in. I'm like, I'll lead you. Yeah, let's procrastinators. They haven't signed up yet. I'll take them, my kind of people. This group was kicking off on Valentine's Day. And the only real momentum was from Pastor Marty's infamous joke about getting freaky in the janitor's closet. I'm telling you, welcome to Reveal. This incredible journey to lead a group where many nights we'd have a group in their 20s and the other half of the group in what I call their 20s. Plenty's going as high as my newly adopted grandparents at the time, Wayne and Carmen Scott, 
who joyfully held down the 80 year and over section week in and week out. This journey with our fantastic newfound church family has caused a pivot that is now sending my life and the lives of my entire family into a completely different direction. A direction where we're committed to planting ourselves into the church family, this church family, until God himself tells us otherwise. Not until things get difficult or until I have conflict, but until God himself tells me otherwise. And by God's grace, we are ready to do our part in helping to build Reveal into a place where reconciliation flourishes both horizontally and vertically, and that the authenticity, the generosity, and love displayed by this church would become irresistible to unbelievers that desperately need hope in our surrounding community. Once again, I'm not certain what it looks like, but I'm confident that we're committed to what on earth we're here for. 2019 will continue to be the best year ever. This is the power of planting. We all have a choice to predecide to plant and stay planted. For how long? Well, it's been the most fulfilling, and I say this honestly, this has been the most fulfilling three and a half years of my life. Not easy by any means, but fulfilling than anything else I could have done. It became and is still becoming till the day I die, my kingdom reality. The first tree that we're going to look at today is a tree that I believe gives us an unbelievable visual of how the six I am statements take time internally to work underneath the surface in the dark where no one sees or no one at least initially sees except us. It's our personal kingdom reality. It's the constant developing or underdeveloped us. My personal kingdom reality is the light within. Your personal kingdom reality is your light within. It's what I bring to the table, not just with my words, but with my actions. It's what we do. Going back to the I am statements, it's what we do in one through six our readiness, our consistency, our devotion to Jesus, our generosity, our faithfulness, and our refusal to quit that creates the sustainability of our seven and eight, our choice to contribute, and our choice to plant. Our one to six is how we do our seven and eight. Amen? Motivational speaker Les Brown tells this story. In the Far East... They have something that's called the Chinese bamboo tree. The Chinese bamboo tree, it takes five years to grow. And when they go through the process of growing it, they have to water and fertilize the ground every single day. Even though it doesn't break through the ground until five years later. Five years of consistency. Watering. Fertilizing. Nothing coming through. But once it breaks through the ground, oh, once it breaks through the ground, within five weeks from the time it coming through the ground, it grows. Dude, give me a drum roll. 90 feet tall. Right. Five weeks. I said it right. Five weeks. 90 feet tall. Now, the question is, does it grow 90 feet tall in five weeks or in five years? 
The answer is obvious. It grows 90 feet tall in five years because if that person stopped watering and nurturing and fertilizing that dream or vision, that bamboo, that bamboo tree would have died in the ground. And I can see people coming out, talking to somebody out there, watering daily, fertilizing the ground daily, where nothing's coming through the surface. Hey, uh, what are you doing? You've, <laughs> you've been out here a long time, man. And the conversation in the neighborhood is, is you're growing a Chinese bamboo tree. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Well, um, even Ray Charles and Stevie Wonder could see ain't nothing growing. Okay, that's how the enemy speaks to us. So how long have you been working on this? How long have you been following Christ? How long have you been working on your dream? How long have you been sowing into your kids? How long have you been pouring into your wife? How long have you been praying for your dad? That's real good. And you have nothing to show? This is all that you've got to show for all the water, all the water and fertilizing the crap? And the voice makes people stop because they don't see instant results. It doesn't happen quickly. They stop and they quit. But you got to keep on watering. you got to keep believing it will break through, believing you'll eventually see the bamboo breakthrough you've been waiting for. When you're working on your soul, when you're working on your damaged heart, when it's hard and there's a struggle, See, what you become in the process, the kind of person that you become, the kind of character that you build, the courage that you develop, the faith that you manifest, it's something that you get up in the morning and you start to look at yourself in the mirror and you're saying, I I am a different kind of person. You walk with a different kind of spirit and people know that you know what life is, that you've embraced life. You knew it was hard, but you did it hard. The watering and the fertilizing of the ground, the ground of our hearts, the fertilizing or the crap in combination with the living water, which only comes from the connection to the well. It uses the crap, lets the dirt do its work to help build character, confidence, maturity, grit, wholeness, and a life that we wouldn't have seen if we quit watering and quit fertilizing the ground. I believe this is how the strongest and most unrelenting leaders in the kingdom today are developed, discipled, and flourishing. We want to flourish, but we don't want to water. We don't want to fertilize. We'll water, but we don't want the crap. And here's a fun fact, fun tree fact, dendrology. It's just a bonus. According to Google, the tree with the deepest roots in the world, deepest roots in the entire world, just so happens to be called shepherd's trees. No cap. Shepherd's tree have the deepest documented roots, more than 230 feet deep. 230 feet deep. That's over three quarters of a football field beneath ground level. So my kingdom reality is individual. But as a church family, the collective reality is our kingdom reality. There's my kingdom reality, which comes from within, and then there's our kingdom reality. And I've chosen to use the mesquite tree as an example of an honest kingdom reality. It's what every church combats becoming. 
Unfortunately, today, the mesquite tree is going to get the bad rap. Here's why. You'll never forget this. This first picture is of a mesquite tree before a storm. The second picture is a mesquite tree after a monsoon storm a few months back. This was one of many pictures I took from my neighborhood. Probably just happened in my neighborhood. It's one of many of these mesquite trees that actually toppled. Channel 12 News had an article a few years back, and it was titled, Why Desert Trees Fall So Easily During Monsoon Storms. And, and it, might appeal, sorry, it might appear that there are lots of toppled, here's, here's what the article said. It said, it might appear that there are lots of toppled trees after monsoon storms. Duh. Experts explain why desert trees specifically are so susceptible to toppling. One after another, following, following the monsoon storms, especially here in the valley. 12 News viewers sent us pictures of all the fallen trees in their neighborhoods, including Miss Bennett, who lives in Mesa. It's the first thing I saw when I came home this morning, she said. Bennett walked 12 News towards the giant tree, taking a piece of the earth with it as it fell on her community golf course. Not the golf course. Anything but the golf course. She said, there was one thing that was most shocking as she looked at it. Here it is. The roots don't seem very deep, she said. Look at the roots in the tree that's toppled. I don't know how it didn't topple a lot sooner. They look very tiny, she said, and they look very shallow. It makes me sad that I won't have that beautiful tree to look at anymore. I think that's how I feel sometimes with many of you. When your tree topples, we don't see you for a while. I hope that you make it back to replant. Top-heavy trees, like many churches, we can only grow as high as our roots are wide. We can only get to the places of, of height based off of the width, vertically based off of horizontally. The mesquite trees, every major storm that comes by, they leave fallen trees that are uprooted because the collaborative work of the whole is far less than what's needed to sustain. The weight of the tree, the needs of the church to keep our kingdom agenda moving forward and moving forward in health and wholeness, it's so similar to the mesquite tree. That's good, right? This puts, this puts such an accurate visual to what Abby talked about last week. It's to the 20% of the church that does 100% of the work. Matthew 9, 37 and 38 says this. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the, of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Before we move forward, let's stop and pray real quick. Lord, I want to stop right now in the middle of this service and obey and pray. Your word says you are in charge of the harvest, and we're asking you in this moment to unlock the hearts of your people, to come alongside those who are carrying the weight of the house, who are disproportionately getting worn out. Lord, we don't want any more trees to fall. 
We don't want any more top-heavy trees that are carrying the weight of the temporal instead of focusing on the eternal. Lord, help us to see through the eyes of eternity. We need more workers. We need to choose to plant in the good soil of this church family as you lead and help our mission for lost souls to increase as we become more kingdom-minded. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I love to obey the word and just do what the word says in the moment. So heading into the home stretch of being stretched. Think with me for a minute. This will be good. You guys are going to be able to breathe a minute for here. When we want a time of serenity, when you want a time of serenity, when you want a time for refueling, many times we go where? There's no 25, there it is. We go to the forest because there's something about the forest. There's something about these trees. There's something about the air. There's something about the elevation. There's something about the collaborative effort of the forest that we use for rest. Isn't that what the church is supposed to be? A collaborative effort to create a place for rest. A place where your soul finds the rest and it's so desperately thirsty for. Our church should be the forest where the tired and the weary come for rest. Soul therapy is what I often like to call it, and I believe that this gives us our third and final kingdom visual today. Here it is. Kingdom culture. The forest. By definition, hear this. Forest is a large area, chiefly with trees and undergrowth. Undergrowth. A large number of uh, sorry, a large number or dense mass of vertical, vertical, and horizontally entangled objects. Entangled horizontally and vertically. And if you think of a forest where there are hundreds and hundreds of trees, there is a close they're in close proximity with each other. Okay, their roots are connected. And they can actually, true story, they can actually share nutrients with each other and communicate with each other. That's facts. That's facts. No cap. Okay? They communicate through their roots and through their fungal network. I am planted. To be planted, it ultimately takes a commitment to community, a commitment to contributing. People who predecided not just to be present, but to be planted, because it's a choice. And I've talked about this before. Everyone will plant themselves somewhere. Some will plant in careers. Some will plant hobbies. Some will plant education. Some will plant relationships. And some will plant in every form of entertainment. But the most fulfilled trees, the most fulfilled times of my life have been since I've chosen to plant myself in the good soil of a local church called Reveal. Remember, present isn't planted Present has potential, but present isn't planted. Present isn't planted because present isn't committed. We're going to use these two keys. Here are the two keys to pre-deciding to plant yourself. This can be the theme as we finish this out today. We've heard it so many times, so this isn't groundbreaking news. 
but I want to say it in a way that you won't forget it. It's a timeless truth. It's our call to action. Key number one is service. Key number two is circles. Circles and service. Service and circles. Service and circles are where character is grown. Service and circles are where accountability is birthed. Service and circles are where nutrients are shared. Service and circles are where roots are entangled. Service and circles are where we lighten our load. Service and circles are where we work together. Service and circles are where relationships are formed. Service and circles are where the church is the healthiest. Service and, surf, uh, sorry, service and circles are where our foundation is built. We will only be able to go as high as our roots are wide, our foundation. Service and circles are we, where we are able to emulate Jesus. Service and circles are where people will come for rest. Service and circles are where the kingdom is present. Service and circles are where we create kingdom culture. Band, if you would come up and join me as we close this one out. There are so many stories. Yeah, somebody's got to get the band. Um, a couple weeks ago, Marty looked at me when I said, he's a band closed out, and he's like, there's no band. So <laughs> there he is. So um, there are so many stories, you guys, of the power of planting in service and circles. But here's just one. This one story, it's inspired me and continues to remind me of what it looks like for the kingdom of God, the rule and the reign of God that is manifest right before my very eyes. Meet one of my favorite families in the church. This is Amanda and John and my best friend Henry. Yes, yes. Quick story as we close. I'm going to give the 60-second cliff note version. Here we go. Amanda came to our church a few years back. Amanda and her husband, John, both got baptized last summer. Amanda started serving on our AV team on Wednesdays. Amanda started serving on our AV teams on Sundays. I asked Amanda to start sitting in a circle on Wednesdays. Amanda started sitting in a circle on Wednesdays. Amanda met a girl named Rachel. Rachel shared her 90-day sobriety story from Weed. Amanda confessed to Rachel because she felt comfortable. Amanda confessed to two other leaders as well, and they showed her nothing but love and support. Daniel presented a 30-day challenge at YA. Amanda asked Rachel to hold her accountable. Amanda has now been, uh, sorry, Amanda had never been 30 days sober in 10 years of her life. Amanda is now six months sober. Amanda is leading a table group. Amanda shared that what God did in her and then through her and then back to her, the boomerang blessing. She shared it at our leadership appreciation dinner on Wednesday. Amanda is serving. Amanda is in circles. Amanda is planted. Here's what we're going to do as we close. Please grab the sheets that you were given on your way in. If you haven't already, as neatly as possible, make sure that you guys, as neatly as possible, please write your name, your telephone number, and your email address on the front so we can read it. And go ahead and open them up if you would. Please stay with me. Let's go through it together. 
there are three different groups, three different, there's three different things in here. First of all, salvation. Give you guys a second to open them so you're doing it very neatly. So open them up. Okay, so salvation. Not everyone has to check this box. But if this is you today, if you say that I need to plant myself in the kingdom, I need to plant myself in God's family, I want to be a child of God. If you've taken that road off and maybe you're returning back and you say, I want to recommit my life. We're going to have a baptism coming up here in the next few months, one more to end out the year. I want to plant my life to the kingdom of God for the first time. That box is special. And if you happen to check that box, I want you to come up and talk to me or one of the other leaders afterwards. The second one says circles. I am ready, and just you can check one of these two boxes. I am ready. I am already planted in a group. So if you're already planted, mark that box. Or you're saying, I'm going to get in a circle. I'm finally going to get in a circle. I want to plant myself in this church family and my next step as I am committing to this regroup. All the information on all of these regroups are online, www.revealvineyard.com forward slash regroups. There is a Saturday morning Bible study, men and women at Panera. There's Grief Share, Tuesday at 6.30. God is doing incredible things in Grief Share. Started with one person, it's up to 15 people. There is healing that is taking place in the hearts of people who are outside of and now are a part of our church family. New Life Promises, the healthy eating, sorry, the healthy eating. And we're just seeing if there's an interest to launch that group. So if there's an interest there, mark that box. You don't have to just mark one. If there's a couple of them, cool. Men's Life Challenge. It's, a seven, it's seven weeks. It's on Thursday at 7 p.m. at the church. More information online. Our Moms Connect group, Monday at 12 p.m. In it to win it. The dinner groups, Wednesdays. You have to sign up for this. We already have 85 people. Now, if you already signed up, if you've already signed up on Wednesday night, we have about 85 people already signed up. On, if you already signed up and marked that box, you don't have to mark that. Because I don't want, we're going to, yeah, so we, we want to get a head count for who's coming for dinner. So if you've already signed up on Wednesday night at the table, you're good. You don't have to mark that. Um, that starts on October 19th here at the church at 630. Our Plus 50 group, Tuesdays at 630 at the church. We have an adult, young adult Bible study. Alan Neek Day, who have been living, leading it for years. Some of my favorite people in the church. Wednesdays at 7, I'm sorry, Mondays at 7 p.m. It's a home group. More information online about that as well. So salvation, circles, and last but not least, service. I want you to check one of these two boxes. I am already serving regularly. Or I want to plant myself in this church family, and my next step is I am contributing at least blank times a month to the following areas of service. We ask that you at least commit one time a month. Wouldn't it be beautiful? Here, here, here's what I see. Wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if, if, we, used, if we, we all started contributing to say, like, I'm going to worship one and serve one. I'm going to worship at one and I'm going to serve one. What we start to have is we start to have a problem, a good problem, where we would have people fighting over the chat. Well, I, I like to serve all four times in a week. Mike had to give up his door at the front because we had other people that wanted, he got upset about, I got to give my door? Yeah, we need, some of us who, are, who have found our identity in that, we, we need to back off a little bit and, and allow for other people to serve. We love you, Mike. So, wouldn't it be great? Isn't that a, that a visual of, of what a forest 
what the forest looks like is that, that we're like, what, what can I do? How can I, how can I help? And we're like, I only get to serve two times this month? I, okay. But wouldn't that be a good problem to have? So here's some of the teams. And I said, on this one, you'll be contacted to answer the questions. That's why it's important to get your information on front correct. You might have, um, sorry, any questions you might have and to get on the schedule. We have a cleaning team. They need help. We have a hospitality team that needs help. We have cafe. Abby does an incredible job with that. Children's ministry. We've been promoting that the last couple of weeks. Greeters. We just start, we need more greeters. We're going to start getting all these people into the database and start scheduling these things to get a little bit of order to things as well. Ushers. We need more usher, ushers. Easy. You pass a bucket. But we, I don't want to be scrambling on a Sunday to try, well, who's going to pass the buckets? It's easy, but it's, we need it. Okay. Um, parking lot team. There's no reason why we should have, like, I know Nate has done an incredible job by stepping up. They get the umbrellas out there every week. And every week I look at them, I'm like, Nate, I appreciate you. Thank you for doing that stuff. Destiny comes in and helps. There's so many people. And I wish I could just sit here and have a time of it, just expressing the love and loyalty and appreciation that I have for all of you. But I know you need help. I know that there's some weeks where you can't do it. And it starts getting tiring. You can do four weeks one month. You can do four weeks for one year. You can serve every week for, for a year, but it's not sustainable to continue to serve with the excellence that we desire to serve. Our parking lot team, um, Wednesday night, uh, and I'll say this, parking lot team, last week Isaiah told me, he said, Dad, he goes, I went, I went uh, he goes, Dad, I went, uh, um, I went solo. He was the only one out there for second service. We didn't have enough people to fill those posts. What an important ministry. The very first people that you see, we will lose new people that will fall through our cracks. We have a responsibility at those stations to identify new people so that they can feel seen and loved and welcomed. If we don't do it, it all starts at those spots. Don't think that that's unimportant. I did it for six years, and I did it well where I was, and I did it well here. That is, that is one of the most important jobs. If you're not waving with excellence, if you're not showing what, I'm telling you, that's where it all starts. And when we did it our best, we gathered more new people every single week. So that's so important. That's my parking lot rant. Wednesday night childcare. To make these Wednesday night regroups keep happening, we need Wednesday night setup as well to help with the food, to do the dinner. We need our, our Wednesday nights for, that's coming up here for uh, our In It To Win It. Maintenance, if you're handy, if you're good with your hands, maintenance. We have snack packs, so snack packs for our Title I schools. That's another era we need help. Sometimes delivering those things, we need help as well, one time a month. Helping hands, which is for home repairs in our community. We need help with that. Leading regroups or Bible classes. And I wanna say this, if your first box is, oh, leader? You guys asked for a leader? Okay, I'm a leader. New here, but I'm a leader. Listen, what I wanna see is there was a girl named Amalia who came into this church and all she did, every time there was a service opportunity, she served in doing the things that no one else wanted to do. And I said, that girl is a leader. She didn't have to identify herself, but I identified her through a servant heart that she had. But I'm not trying to discourage you from leading a Bible study. That's just my passion kicking through. Okay, servant leadership. Worship team, you gotta know how to sing. Okay, you're not be an aspiring artist. We need artists. Um, okay, sound tech, video tech, middle school, high school. We need so much help in those areas too. Women's ministry. Young Life Surprise, JP is the, uh, he's the coordinator, he's just El Jefe of uh, Surprise, um, and he's, he's the Young Life Coordinator, so we need help in, some of our young adults may even get involved in that and start to disciple 
some of those young adults as well and some of the high school and so so they need help with that as well and we will be getting in contact with you and jp you're going to get in contact with them um so uh that's why we need your name and number on the front so seek a security team if you're interested in security you know how to be a good wallflower people watching nosy that's where we need you medical team our first saturday food group young adults you should help with young adults. There's something there too. And I want to say, if anybody has a, a desire or an interest to be a volunteer coordinator, we need help there too. Okay? I do a lot of this, but when it comes to typing stuff in, like, listen, that ain't my, that's not my forte. So here's what we're going to do as we close it out. Um, we are going to do two songs. Okay? We're still doing good on time. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to play two songs. This first one talks about building a firm foundation. And I don't care if, if, if you're serving already and you're doing these things already. I want everyone, this, this, this fish tank has been used for a lot of different purposes, but I want everybody to come up, finish filling it out, come up, fill it out, drop it in the container here in front, plant it. I am planted. I am planted. I am planted. And once you plant it there, I want you to find a place somewhere throughout the room you don't have to go back to your seat. But once you plant it, I want you to stand and stay standing. Got about two to three minutes on this song to plant. We're all going to stand, and then we're going to close it out. So as they play, I would encourage you, Reveal, to plant in the good soil of our local church. I made the decision over three and a half years ago. It was the best decision. <laughs>